Part Seven, Chapter Twenty Two of Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Spiegel. Stefan Arkadyevitch felt perfectly bewildered by these strange and to him unwanted discourses to which he had been listening. After the stagnation of Moscow, the complication of life in Petersburg as a general thing had an enlivening effect on him but he liked it and was at home in it when he was among those whom he knew well in this unfamiliar environment he was bewildered and stupefied and could not make anything out of it as he listened to the reading and saw the brilliant eyes of landau naive or knavish he could not tell which fixed on him he felt a peculiar heaviness in his head the most heterogeneous thoughts went whirling through his brain Marie Sanina is happy about having lost her son. It would be good if I could only smoke. To be saved, one needs only to believe. The monks do not understand about this, but the Countess Lydia Ivanovna does. What makes my head feel so heavy? Is it the brandy, or the strangeness of all this? I have done nothing out of the way as yet, but I shan't venture to ask anything to-day. It is said they make you say your prayers. Suppose they should make me say mine. That would be too nonsensical. What stuff that is she is reading. But she reads well. Landau Bezabov. Why is he Bezabov? Suddenly Stefan Arkadyevitch felt that his lower jaw was irresistibly beginning to accomplish a yawn. He smoothed his whiskers to conceal the yawn and shook himself but the next moment he felt sure that he was asleep, and even beginning to snore. The voice of the Countess Lydia Ivanovna waked him, saying, "'He's asleep.' Stefan Arkadyevitch waked with a start, feeling a consciousness of guilt, but instantly he was relieved to find that the words, "'He's asleep,' had reference not to himself, but to Landau. The Frenchman was as sound asleep as Stefan Arkadyevitch had been, but Stefan Arkadyevitch's nap would have offended them. He did not think of this at the time, so strange did everything seem. But Landau's rejoiced them exceedingly, and especially the Countess Lydia Ivanovna. Mon ami, said the Countess Lydia Ivanovna, cautiously so as not to disturb him, and picked up the folds of her silk gown, in the enthusiasm of the moment, calling Karenin, not Alexey Alexandrovitch, but, Mon ami, donnez-le la main. Voyez-vous? said she to the lackey, who once more entered the parlour with a message. I can't receive it now. The Frenchman slept, or pretended to sleep, leaning his head on the back of his armchair and resting his hand on his knee, but making feeble gestures as if he were trying to catch something. Alexey Alexandrovitch got up and cautiously, though he tripped over a table as he did so, stepped over to the chair and put his hand into the Frenchman's hand. Stefan Arkadyevitch also got up, and opening his eyes wide, and trying to decide whether he were asleep or not, looked from one to the other, and felt his ideas growing more and more confused. Que la personne qui arrive la donnière, ce qui demande, quelle sorte? The person who came in last, the one who is questioning, let him go away, murmured the Frenchman without opening his eyes. Vous m'escurez, mais vous vous, revenez vers dix heures, encore moi demain. 
You will excuse me, but you understand. Come back at ten o'clock, or, still better, to-morrow. Quelle sorte, repeated the Frenchman impatiently. C'est moi, non ce pas? asked Oblonsky, and at an affirmative sign, forgetting what he was going to ask Lydia Ivanovna, forgetting his sister's affairs, with one single desire to escape as soon as possible, hastened out on his tiptoes, and rushed down into the street as if he were fleeing from a pest-house, and for a long time talked and jested with his driver so as to bring back his spirits. At the French theatre, which he reached in time for the last act, and afterward over his champagne, at the Tartars, Stefan Arkadyevitch gradually began to breathe more freely in the friendly atmosphere. And nevertheless, all that evening he was very far from being himself. When he returned to the house of Pyotr Oblonsky, where he made his home in Petersburg, he found a note from Betsy. She wrote him that she was very desirous of finishing their talk, and urged him to call the next day. He had hardly finished reading this note and making up a face at it, when heavy shuffling steps were heard downstairs, as of men lifting some heavy object. Stefan Arkadyevitch went out to see what it was. It was the rejuvenated Pyotr Oblonsky, who was so tipsy that he could not walk upstairs, but when he caught sight of Stefan Arkadyevitch, he ordered his attendants to put him on his feet, and, clinging to Stefan Arkadyevitch's arm, he managed to reach his room, where he began to relate how he had spent the evening, till he fell asleep. Stefan Arkadyevitch himself was in such a weak state of mind that, contrary to his custom, he did not fall asleep quickly. What he had heard and seen during the day was disgusting, but more disgusting than anything else was the recollection of the evening at the Countess Lydia Ivanovna's. The next day he received from Alexey Alexandrovitch a flat refusal in the matter of the divorce, and knew that this decision was based on the words which the Frenchman had uttered during his slumber, real or feigned. End of chapter 22